Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. guys welcome back to the sideline podcast with coach steve of course this is coach steve my guest today i have coach mills um i actually got to meet coach um we were on a pack uh, podcast uh coach sheffer's armchair coaching podcast where we talked navy football um i took a lot of beating that day from wing t stuff um i'm still recovering that's how i met coach mills they were beating up on me uh but he was gracious enough to come on here um so, Coach, I think I have 10 or 11 listeners now. It keeps growing every time by one, I think. Uh, so if you want to introduce yourself to everybody, go right ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Dustin Mills. I'm the head coach at James M. Bennett High School out here in Salisbury, Maryland. But I'm originally kind of from the Midwest, grew up in a military family. So, um, you know, I appreciate you having me on today and, you know, looking forward to talking with you, you know. It's kind of funny. We were giving you a beating on uh, the other night talking Navy football, but truth is I'm actually a spread offense guy myself, but don't tell anybody, all right? We'll keep that our secret. Um, no, I'm an old gap. No, I was saying, we, Sorry, we don't want you to lose your wing T card. We don't want you to uh, lose your, your... – <laughs> No, I... no I'm, a, I'm not a wing T guy. I played in the wing T in high school because – for a variety of reasons, but uh, no, I'm actually just an old gap scheme guy. You know, my first play I ever called is a – offensive coordinator was ISO. So, uh, and then probably the second play was probably uh, power. So I, you know, I'm an old gap scheme guy, but I've migrated towards the spread is kind of the, the nature of the beast and trying to use the talent of our athletes to the best of our ability. But um, yeah, no, it was a great time talking Navy football. I'm a huge Navy football fan. Dad was in the Navy 21 years. I can't wait to watch him play BYU tonight. And uh, I think if we can get that win, they'll be on the, the right path to maybe, running the table we'll see but um 
yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on today. No, thank you for giving me the time. Uh, I try to work on everybody's schedule. Um, yeah, uh, glad to hear uh, you were just joining in on beating up on me. Uh, you just wanted to get it on it. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> the next time we talked to Army and they, they let up a little bit. That chat wasn't as abusive when we talked about Army. Um, so one of the first questions uh, I ask people on here is, I'm always curious how people got into coaching because we all have different ways we get into it. Um, I wanted to do it since I was 16. My head coach was kind of the guy that got me into the coaching so I like to ask people, how did you get into this? Like, why why get into coaching? We lose our hair. It goes gray pretty quick. You know, we were just talking about burning the midnight oil. There's times where we might overdo it a little bit. So how did you end up getting into coaching, whether it was football, basketball, or some something else? So um, it's kind of a, a, a long journey, so stay with me through it. Uh, didn't play football before my freshman year of high school, and I actually wasn't going to play at all until my friend across the street talked me into coming out. We went to a very small high school on a Navy base in Spain of all places. And uh, it was like the second or third day of the first week of practice. And he came across the street and said, Hey, we need more players. Why don't you come out and play? And, you know, I'd always enjoyed sports. I'd played baseball and basketball and all that growing up. Uh, but I had never really tried football. And I said, you know what, why not? So, like I said, the school's 250 kids. There wasn't a whole lot of things to do. So I went out and played football and immediately fell in love. Um, you know, had some great mentors early on from coaches. Um, I changed high schools between my sophomore and junior years. We moved back to the continental United States. And uh, I had a good experience at my second high school, um, but I didn't have a great experience. I think, you know, some of the, the p- things of who I was, what I had seen versus moving to small town uh, southern Indiana conflicted. And the coach and I didn't necessarily see eye to eye, but I still loved football. I was passionate about football. Um, and all that stuff. Didn't play in college. I wasn't even really recruited. I was a marginal player at best, started my senior year and all that stuff. But um, especially this was early 2000s before Huddle and YouTube and all the ability to publish a bunch of highlights. So I didn't really have much. The the only opportunity I really had to play coach was actually at a Trinity International, uh, not too far from where you are. So, um, but I decided not to play football in college, went to Purdue University for a year and in the meantime my dad got stationed in maryland I moved out here to live with them and never left um went to college graduated with a bachelor's in history got involved in politics of all things i became a politician uh why i did that i still am not sure to the, well, i know why i did it it was a job opportunity but uh spent two years doing that and realized this is miserable i have no desire to do this um, I care about people, but this stuff is nonsense. And I said, what else can I do? And I, again, I'd always loved football. I was the kid who drew up plays in his notebook in high school and, you know, uh, built my own playbooks in NCAA 14, trying different things. Um, and I said, you know what, let me, let me get into coaching. And I had a, I had a friend who was, uh, on a slow pitch softball team with the head coach of the program I'm with now. And she said, you want his contact info? I said, absolutely. So I reached out to him and you know, the rest, as they say, is history. I started as a JV defensive coordinator uh, my second day of, of practice. Originally, I was just going to be a volunteer assistant. I got there, and the other paid JV coach said, hey, I can't make the time commitment. You're up. So day two of practice, I was a defensive coordinator. Um, and then my second year as a football coach, I was the JV head coach. So it was kind of, you know, quick and, and thrown into the fire. And I learned a lot through that process, became the offensive, well, became the offensive line coach 
for our varsity program. Uh, and then eventually the offensive coordinator and now entering my, my first full season as the, uh, the head coach of the program. So it's been, you know, I've been fortunate to be at the same program my entire career. Um, but fortunately I've seen other programs, uh, you know, played in other programs. I'm not from here where I am now. So I have kind of that, um, bring some different mindsets, but, you know, it's been nice because I know the program I'm coming into. I know the guys, uh, I know the school, I know the administration, I know how it works. Um, so we were really excited about what the future is going to hold, but that's kind of the, the long-winded way of my coaching journey. It's definitely, you know, different than a lot of guys, but I think it worked out well for me in the end. Yeah, we all have our different paths, and I'm always curious because it's not always the same. I don't think I found one person that's been the same as as mine or yours or anybody sure. else's. Um, so, like I said, I have questions typed up here. I wasn't going to order, but now I'm going to skip around on you. So, if I pause for a second, it's because I'm trying to read. I don't read a lot. So, if I'm, I'm trying to read what I put up here. <laughs> the only thing the only thing you need to read is a defensive. I don't even know if I can do that. That's, uh, <laughs> we just have to call play. Uh-huh. Just inside zone inside all the zone. time. Um, so, you said it's your first year <laughs> being a head coach. Um I yeah. I entered a school this year, so my short story is uh, I was at a school. Uh, this guy was a defense coordinator, became the head coach at his school. He reached out to me. He needed an offensive line guy. Um, we talked in February, and it was just talking. All of a sudden, COVID hit, so then nothing was happening. And then he finally got the green light and talked to me, said, I needed an offensive line coach and a run game coordinator. You want to come on? I said, sure. Uh, I got to spend two weeks around the kids. But one of those days, I couldn't be around the kids because I had to wait for my fingerprinting. Um, so I was just hanging around him, and I made the comment. I said, aren't you glad you interviewed and accepted a head coaching job your first year being a head coach and COVID hits? <laughs> he said some words I won't repeat on, on the podcast. So my question is, you sure. take the head coaching job. Um, if I remember, I think you guys told us it was before COVID. Like, it was way before COVID. Yep. So in your mind, you're like, oh, my God, I, I picked – the first with COVID, I picked to be the head coach. So, are you glad you took it? What struggles have you had, or any struggles whatsoever with COVID going on? Like, what's changed? Like, how you handle being a first-year head coach? You probably had all these plans of how you're going to do it, and all of a sudden, that you know, I don't know if you have to throw them out the window or call an audible and say we got to do this now. Or how did it work up there in Maryland? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been kind of interesting. I took the job in December of 2019. Um, you know, and then fast forward for me, we had started to get some stuff off the ground. You know, we were trying to create uh, more of a system. Uh, we'd had some good years at the school, but we weren't having sustained success. You know, we it was based upon the skill ability of our respective classes. Um, and we, I think we did a good job coaching up the uh, some of the guys and stuff like that. But it was always like, hey, we got a really good class this year. We're going to be good. Or we don't have a good class this year. We might struggle. And, you know, that's not to me where we want to be. So we started some things, you know, trying to teach our kids what we call the language of football, words they may not use and all that stuff. Um, things are going really well. We were having good numbers in the weight room. And then, yep, March 13th, I believe, was our last day at school. And since then, um, have been able to talk to them a little bit. And we actually had three weeks where we worked with them in strength and conditioning. And then that, the kibosh was put on that. So it's definitely been different in that dynamic where we haven't had the opportunity to work with them. And we're trying to put in, um, you know, a new offensive scheme, a new defensive scheme, change the way we do special teams, trying to kind of overhaul some of the X's and O's stuff. And as you know, that's going to take a lot of reps. And so far we've had 
zero reps. So it's been a unique challenge. We're not playing in the fall here in Maryland. We're going to try and play in the spring. Um, so from that regard, it's been difficult. You know, obviously one of the best parts, if not the best part of coaching, are the relationships you build with your players. And that's kind of been tough because we haven't been able to work on that dynamic. We haven't been able to spend time with the guys and talk with them and work with them. Um, you know, we, we stay in touch, we communicate, but it's just not the same as going out there and working together on the field. Um, so we are trying to come up with ways to kind of get that in place, but you know, it is what it is for right now. Um, so it's been definitely a challenge in that regard, but at the same time, I think there, there's a unique opportunity here, especially as a first year head coach, right? You know, as a first year head coach, you want to come in, you want to put your stamp on the program. You want to put your stuff in, and I apologize. For the dog oh, no the worries. We got one here. So um, you guys hear, oh, this is COVID. This is quarantine. Okay. You're going to hear this stuff. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, and on one hand, we do have a pretty good perspective, you know, a pretty good opportunity. As, as a new head coach, you want to put all, I was saying, you want to put all your, your new stuff in, right? You want to go out there and put your stamp on the program. But what this has really given myself, and first thing I did when I got hired as the head coach is I fired myself as offensive coordinator. Um, I was a, an average to slightly above average offensive coordinator, certainly wasn't anything special. Um, and I realized that coming in plus, you know, that old saying, I think it's tough for uh, someone to serve two masters. You know, in my opinion, it's very difficult to be successful as a coordinator or as a head coach while trying to do both. Um, so brought a new offensive coordinator. So I've got a new offensive coordinator. Um, obviously myself as a new head coach, we do have our returning D coordinator, which is fortunate. Uh, but other than that, I think almost our entire coaching staff is going to be new or has just been promoted, for lack of a better word. So we're kind of all learning to come together, all learning to work together. And it's given us time to really look at what do we want to do and to really think through not just the X's and O's of things, but our systems and how are we going to practice? How are we going to teach certain things? You know, we had our coaches meeting on Saturday and that's one of the things we talked about was being process oriented versus outcome oriented. And how are we going to do these things? And, you know, if we were playing ball right now, if we were out on the practice field, we might not be having those conversations. We might just be doing the things that, well, hey, this drill worked in the past. Let's run it. Not looking at why does that drill work or is there another drill we can do better? Basically, it's been an elongated offseason, which for most coaches would probably be an annoyance. But for me as a first year head coach, it gives me a level of comfort. Because I know that when we do finally get to the field, we'll have some pretty good ideas and we'll have, you know, some, some systems in place that are ready to go. And we hopefully won't have to do as much learning on the fly. Also, as a, for, as a new head coach, I kind of get a freebie season, right? When we play in February, it's going to be maybe five games, you know, two to maybe three weeks of preseason. So it's a condensed season. There's, there's not going to be any playoffs. So it's almost like a season. It's like spring football, right? So we have an opportunity when we get to the spring to maybe try some things that we maybe wouldn't try in a regular season. Cause you know, we need that win to make the playoffs or, you know, whatever it might be. Well, with nothing on the line, we can go out there and try some things that maybe we wouldn't try. And you know what, if they work, we can turn around and use them when we do get to a regular season. So there's certainly been some challenges, but I think there's also been a silver lining to this that in my opinion, a lot of coaches are missing because they're so worried about playing the game and getting on the field instead of saying, hey, what can we use our time right now to do and maximize that? So not ideal. I would still rather be coaching on the field right now. You know, we were supposed to play game one this past Friday, um, and we weren't there. 
And obviously I would want to have been on that field coaching that game, but you know, we're going to make do with what we can right now. Yeah. Uh, we, we were joking. We went back to school last week and we were like, man, guys, I hope you enjoyed your spring break. We're finally back. Cause March 13th was the same for us. We, <laughs> we got the announcement. Hey, we're going to close for two weeks. We'll be back. And two weeks later, well, 30 more days, 30 days later, well, yep. 30 more days. And, uh, no, I like how you said it's an extended off season because, you know, in the summer we try to do clinics, we're trying to talk to people, uh, then we're trying to practice. Well, now we get more chances, like to read books on things or research or talk to people. Uh, yep. And we're the same thing in Illinois. Uh, first practice is supposed to be February 15th. Uh, probably have some snow during that time. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, see how Northern Illinois, don't don't worry. It'll be bitterly cold, too. Oh, it'll be cold. It will be snowing. Uh, <laughs> may not even have practice. May have some snow days. Um, but we're fortunate where we have we have an indoor <laughs> track, so we could go in there. But, like, where I'm from in Central Illinois, nice. they don't have that. So, Central Illinois, I don't know what they're going to yeah. do. Uh, and then I like how you said, you know, it's kind of like a freebie season. It's like a scrimmage every week. Like, same thing in Illinois. We have seven games. Yep. They're working on maybe a two-week playoff system, and that's about it. Like, we, we don't know – we don't even know what's going to happen. Uh, so, you're right. looking at it as seven games. Maybe you do try something you don't normally do. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I think the challenging part for coaches is change. We don't like change. So, when this is going on, we're like, this is different. Right. We don't know what to do. Uh, you know, and – yeah, we can fight for to get playing here in a couple weeks, but we can also just kind of go, okay, how do we reach these kids? How do we do this? How do we do that? This might be a new normal where you do virtual meetings more often. I have no idea. Uh, oh, I absolutely plan on it. You know, we talk about, you know, like those Sunday morning co- – we, we play, you know, roughly – well, some of our home games on Saturdays because our home field doesn't have lights. So we have a shared county field where we play some Friday nights, but when we play at our school, we play on Saturdays at noon which if you've never done, I think is a really cool atmosphere, but that's another story for another time. Um, you know, so sometimes we play on a Saturday. We got to turn around of a coach's meeting on Sunday, and we're back to practice on Monday. And, you know, I, I got young coaches, but I also got coaches with, with kids and families, and I'm not trying to take away from that. So, you know, if anything, all this Zoom meeting stuff, all this online stuff, we can do those coaches' meetings in an hour, hour and a half, from our dadgum living rooms, you know, and they don't have to move. They don't have to get in the car and go sit for four hours and, you know, and then, yeah, to the same thing with the players and, you know, we, maybe we can access them more, share film more, you know, things like that. So I think there really is an opportunity here to, to get better at our craft. So yeah. Speak. Cause uh, like I had the online guys on there one time and you can share your screen now and show film. And so they're sitting there and you can draw and you don't have to. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I like how there's a positive, like this is going to be what's going to happen, you know, Saturday mornings. Now, if we get back to normal, I know we'll probably still make the kids come in Saturday morning. But like for like a coach's meeting, like you said, on a Sunday, we can just get on Zoom. The head coach can share his screen. Mm -hmm. You can watch film that way almost. Put your peer into the TV and you can do it that way. Uh, So there's a silver lining here. Uh, But hopefully you guys play in the spring and hopefully we do too. Uh, I'm all for an extended offseason to relax, but that itch is going to start happening here soon where – (laughs) <laughs> whether it's football oh, or basketball or whatever we got to get i got to get back out there mm-hmm. at some point <laughs> i don't i don't disagree uh, at all 
So I'm going to ask you my unique question first. I usually say this for the end, but I'm going to do it now. Um, so you said you coached okay. O-line for a little bit. Now, I played offensive line and defensive line, then I coached it. And then when I was offensive coordinator, I coached quarterbacks, wide receivers. I hopped around, um, made enough coaches where I could hop around. So I've coached pretty much every position you could think of besides corners. Corners is the only ones I've never coached. Um, so when I came up to the suburbs of Chicago a couple years ago, there's coaches that reach out to me every offseason and say, you know, I want to talk to you about coaching. And it's always, I need an O-line guy. It's never, I need, I need, I need a quarterback sure. guy. It's never, I need a wide receiver guy. It's, I need an offensive line guy. So during this quarantine, while I'm losing my mind, I started thinking, and I said, <laughs> is there a shortage of offensive line guys, or do people just not want to coach it anymore? Uh, and maybe to answer your question, a coach said this to me. They said, well, back in the day, offensive coordinators were offensive line coaches. Now they're quarterback coaches or wide receivers coaches. So am I losing my mind? Is there a shortage of offensive line guys or do people just not want to coach the big boys anymore? It's the, it's the, it's the best position. We um, hit every play. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of a combination of, uh, of both of those things you talked about. I don't think there's necessarily a shortage of O-line guys. I think there's a shortage of good O-line guys. And I think that really, a lot of coaches real understand that, you know, because, you know, especially with the evolution of the offensive game, there's been an evolution in the position. I mean, think back to I graduated high school in 2002, and I remember learning blocking. We were still using the old flipper and the old, you know, wing and the chicken uh-huh. block and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, that stuff, by and large, doesn't exist anymore in the modern offensive game. Um, you know, so it's it's where can we find guys that can – teach all five positions you know because also in the modern game of football the the center position is completely different than the guard position is completely different than the tackle position and a lot of that depends on what offensive scheme you run so you need to find a guy who understands those different positions can work with those different guys um you know defenses are constantly evolving i mean look at something like the three three stack which has only really been around the past i would say decade um you know, and all the different angles that they can bring pressure from, like you've got to teach offensive line and you've got to be able to communicate and understand those, those stunt angles and those blitz angles and what you can do to pick them up. And, you know, I, I think that to a point you're right. I don't think guys want to coach offensive line anymore because it is a lot more than whatever it used to be. I think that offensive line coach has got a reputation back in the day as, you know, Oh, you, you is a fairly simplistic, uh, position, you know, a uh, fairly simplistic thing, but you know, it's certainly not that anymore. I think coaches realize it's a, it's an intricately complicated position. You're coaching the most guys at the same time, no other position, you know, the only way you can make that is say if, if you're a five wide offense, you have five wide receivers on the field, but even that usually there's a tight end involved or something like that. You know, as an O line guy, you have your five O linemen. If you're, you know, uh, uh, a tight end personnel team, you're going to have a tight end or sometimes even an H back. Like you're responsible for the biggest group on the field and it requires a lot and it's a lot of technique and it's not just brute force like people would say. So it's definitely, there's a shortage of good O-line guys. And I think when coach, when you get the reputation as a good O-line guy, then coaches want you on their staff because I think any good head coach knows games are won and lost up front. And, you know, if you can get a good O-line guy and bring him on board, 
it just makes your job so much easier as a head coach or an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think uh, – I've had other coaches on here, and you've met them, Sheffer and Coach Bennett and all of them. I asked them the same thing. One thing they always talk about is you're going to get blamed for everything too. So quarterback gets sacked, it's going to be the offensive line's fault, but I could stand there and say, well, the running back didn't pick him up. This is our scheme. But people in the Mm -hmm. stands don't see it that way. They're going to say, well, why didn't they pick him up? It's a, it's a thankless job sure. too. Like when the when you throw for three hundred some yards, they might say, "Oh yeah, the offensive line pass blocked well." But if you throw for thirty yards, we'll lose the game. They're like, "Well, the offensive line didn't do this, didn't do that." Um, <laughs> then the reputation of you know big, slow, and dumb. And this is why I always said I was mm-hmm. offensive line. I'm not very smart. We may not have common sense. You could have a conversation with the offensive line, but they're not going to know to you know when you stop at a stop sign to look left and look right as you're driving. They're just going to keep going. But they're mm-hmm. smart when it comes to being on the field. They just don't have common sense. And that's a sure. misconception, I think, of offensive linemen. Um, and there's a special language. We have our own language, kind of like Wing T guys have that card in their wallet or the run and shoot guys. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So I just don't know if people want to. Co- I also think it's, I think it's fun to coach a different position than you played because I've coached running backs and quarterbacks. I love sure. coaching running backs. I don't know why. But I love coaching running backs. Um, but I took my old school offensive lineman stuff with me. We ran an option offense when I was playing, and I coached in it. I still, even though offense has evolved, and I love my inside zone and stuff, I still tell them, you're going to go forward. I, you know, if you hit a guy, quarterback and running back are going to make you right. As long as you're hitting somebody, you're not in trouble. And right. I think that's the language you need to speak to them is if you hit somebody, I still have that old school mentality. I know, I know it's outside zone and inside zone, but I still have that old school mentality of hit them, put your hand inside and throw them and hit them. And, but maybe we've gone to new school where it's not like that anymore. I don't know. Who knows? No, I mean, I think there's still a certain level of physicality. You know, I think that's kind of the, the you know, the why people love to rag on the spread guys is it's almost like, well, when you run inside zone or wide zone or outside zone or insert zone or whatever, the, the you know, countless different zone plays, you know, I think people get this idea of it's not physical. But if you watch, watch University of Wisconsin run inside zone, you can't tell me they're not right. physical. You know, watch, you know, watch any high level team play and, you know, you still got to get hands on. You still got to move guys. Yeah, it may not be the, you know, turning them in the hole like you do with gap scheme, but you still need to get leverage. You still need to run your feet and, you know, you still have to play physical up front. It's not like you can't touch a guy and still be successful. You know, you still got to put him in the dirt at the end of the day. And, you know, it, that requires, like you said, a certain mentality. And, you know, I think certain coaches bring that and certain coaches do not. Unfortunately. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about it is you made a good point of it's the, you know, every single play, like me, for example, I have to look at all five positions, like all five of them, and see what they did. If you're if you're mm-hmm. a wide receivers coach, yeah, you, if you're in your two-by-two two and your ten-person, you have to look at all four. But realistically, you know where the ball is supposed to go, so you're going to look at that. It might be your inside receiver. You're going to look at him more than everybody else. I'll go to my air rate thing. Sure. You know, if you're running stick, your outside guy's running a vertical. Well, that's never going there. You're looking at your hitch or throwing it to the running back. That's what they do. So you're mm-hmm. not going to look at that guy running him off. You're going to look at the stick, the guy running the, the hitch, and your and your running back. And me as offensive line coach, I have to look at all five and say, okay, there was a stunt here, there was a blitz here, they stemmed, 
how did you communicate? And then the communication, people don't realize offensive linemen have to have a word for everything. Your double team words, your this, oh, your yeah. that, like, and you have to rep every, I rep every single defensive front practice. Like you have to get them not to think. And so maybe people don't want to do sure. all that work anymore with that. Uh, they want all the glory being the offensive coordinator, but if they don't know how all that works, I don't think they can do it in my opinion, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I think O-line coaches tend to be, I can't say more successful, but tend to be more understanding offensive coordinators um, simply because they've played that position and know what it takes. You know, and, and I've always told my, uh, you know, when I coached, when I called plays and when I installed plays, you know, I always thought, can the O-line make this block? And if not, then we can't do it. You know, we need to find a way to make it so that they're doing what they're good at. So, and I think a lot of that stems from playing O-line and then coaching O-line as well. Yeah, and then the, the communication, I think, is a big piece. Like, can they block this? Sure. And then I always brought the all-line guys, and we were in no huddle. I said, okay, what do you guys want to call inside zone right? So they come up with it. It's communication to where they don't have to think. I'm an offensive line guy. I don't want to think. Do not make me think. School started last right. week, guys. I have to think mm-hmm. now, and I don't want to think. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. Well, that, that was a good conversation. That was the longest one I think we had. So good job, coach. You're, you're moving on up. Um, <laughs> so I like to hear. Um, so guys, I said at the beginning, we, I met coach, we were talking about Navy and the wing T they're beat up on me pretty good. So what kind of offense did you run as the OC and now a head coach? Like what, what do you really want to run? You know, and I know what answer is what, what can, can the kids do? Um, Going in as the head coach, what was like, okay, this is the type of offense we want to try to lean towards. Are you a wing T guy or do you just want to implement the wing T run stuff, which I'm all for? Um, or you're a spread guy? I won't tell anybody. I won't publish this if you don't need me to. <laughs> no, it's all good. So historically, like I said, I put, <laughs> when I was in high school, I played in a gap scheme offense, uh, traditional, you know, 21 pro I. Uh, I played in a single wing offense my sophomore year. My junior year, we were I was back on a different team that was pro formation, that sort of stuff. And then my senior year, I played in a wing T offense. So my four years of high school ball, I was exposed to quite a variety of things. Um, when I finally became <laughs> – let me back up. When I was my first year as a JV head coach, I was also the JV offensive coordinator. And I'm not kidding you, when I was trying a different offensive scheme every week, I mean everything from – uh, under center spread, two by two, uh, shotgun spread, uh, single wing. We ran some uh, double tight, double wing, um, you know, eye formation, pretty much anything that I could figure out to put on the field we did. And it obviously, as you can imagine, we were not very successful with that. And that's, you know, another story. Um, but when I became offensive coordinator at the school I'm at now, you know, I prim- like I said, I've been a primarily a, a gap scheme guy my entire life. So we took that gap scheme and, you know, we definitely played in under center pro 21 personnel, that sort of stuff. Sometimes even, uh, you know, 32 personnel, that sort of stuff. But my preference was to go to what, you know, some guys have called the power spread where we're still running gap scheme ideas out of spread formations. And we had a lot of success with that. Um, we still mixed in some under center eye formation stuff. Uh, single back stuff, but we were primarily a spread gaps scheme team. Um, but as I became head coach, I uh, was talking to some other coaches around the area, and one of the 
things we lack is we don't have a true feeder program. We have three high schools, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, within two square miles of each other. So um, we don't have a true feeder program. All the kids go to middle school together, and they might go to three different high schools. So what we have is when they get to us as freshmen, there is some youth ball, and there's some good youth ball, but it's just not organized to the part where we can go down and work with them and install our stuff early on like you can in some places. So basically when we get kids as freshmen, we have to treat that as kind of our quote unquote feeder program. So I was talking to our, uh, you know, offensive coordinator and he, he was a gap scheme guy too. And, you know, one of the problems you have with gap scheme is it takes, you know, you have to really know the th- all the things we talked about with O-line. You have to know what the language is. You have to know which steps to take. You have to, you know, understand where your leverage is, where your partner is. Is he pulling? Is he, you know, what's going on? And it gets to be a lot. And given time, you know, you can get really good at it. But when you come in as a freshman and and you don't know anything because your youth program hasn't prepped you at all, it takes some time for you to learn. And consequently, we were getting guys as sophomores and juniors who weren't as experienced as we would have liked them to be. And there's a variety of reasons for that that we're going to address in the way we practice. But as we talked more and more about it, we've actually decided to make the switch to a zone-based offense this year. Um, Working primarily out of uh, a lot of pistol uh, to stay balanced and um, stealing a lot of our stuff. You know, I firmly believe that if somebody does something well, don't hesitate to take it and make it your own. And we're stealing a lot of stuff from Oakdale High School here in Maryland. They won a state championship two years ago. And, uh, you know, their head coach is a, is a great is a great dude. He's helped us out a ton. Um, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. You know, so we'll work a lot out of pistol, use a lot of spread concepts, but you know, we still have a couple gap runs in there just because there is some value to having them. Um, but we are, we're going to move a lot to, you know, inside zone, outside zone um, and stuff like that, just because we think it allows us when we get those kids as freshmen, you know, we can install inside zone steps, outside zone steps. We're going to use the count system. You know, um, you know, if you can count to three, we can tell you who to block. And it goes back to kind of what you just said a second ago, where that's less thinking they have to do. The faster they can play, the better they can play. And that's what we're trying to do with our guys is to get them to think less and play more. Um, and we think going to a zone scheme is really going to help us with that. And we're, we're excited about it. We're, you know, we're evolving our pass game as well. You know, primarily, again, being a gap scheme guy, most of my passing game was based on movement passes out of the pocket, um, you know, and a lot of play action. We had some drop back stuff, but it wasn't, there wasn't a ton of it. Um, but this year, you know, we're going to more some some true – drop back passing concepts, um, you know, still having play action and things like that off the zone look. 
But yeah, you know, it's a really a, it's a new evolution in our offense that I'm really excited about, and I think is really like you said early on is really going to make our players the best. Um, but that those are the reasons we're going to that. Other than hey, we think it'll make our players good. right? Yeah, um, because you were on the show, you know, those coaches we talked to, they're all pistol wing T or wing T. So I sit there and take my abuse because there's a <laughs> hatred for some reason. I don't know if you want to call it hatred. I don't know if you want to use that word, but there's. I stir the pot a little bit, and people know I poke fun sometimes. Like, Wing T, we always go to Wing T. I don't know why. I should just say under center offenses. Um, poke fun, spread, Wing T, under center, whatever. But there's some guys that really hate spread team. I don't know why. What? It, it goes back to the things you said. You know, like, as, as football coaches, we don't like change. And, you know, just no disrespect to those Wing T guys because there's some really good Wing T coaches. But the wing T is very much based upon, you know, uh, a system. And when you challenge that system, guys don't like that idea. And it's unfortunate because I think you could take the wing T stuff and really add a lot to it. And, you know, that's what a lot of coaches have done is they've taken the wing T principles and added some, you know, some spread principles to it. And they've been really successful with it. Um, but, you know, it's just it's like anything else. People don't like change. People don't like new stuff because it challenges them. Um and smart coaches don't care about that. They say, hey, what helps me win ball games? What helps my guys be successful? Um, but, yeah, some guys, they, you know, it's very tribal. And they're very, you know, they don't like it when you're telling them, hey, what you're doing is wrong because they think it's right. And it's just, like you said, we don't like change, a lot of us. And the spread to a lot of wing T coaches is pretty heavy change. Yeah, well, I always told, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of offense. So we'll get to this in a, here in a little bit. Well, if I don't take all your time today. I watch offense oh, like I'm going to try to watch the game tonight. I like watching. I don't tune in to watch Navy Army on them for the players. Like you guys were naming players left and right the other night. I'm sitting there going, man, I only know the bigger school players. But when I watch Army and Navy, I watch for the team. I watch for what they're doing. Uh, I like watching sure. that type of offense. I played in an offense like that, so I like to watch it. Now, would I run it? Probably not. Uh, I like the spread yeah. because, and I'm going to tell my quick story. We played. A, I went to a school this year. I left a school called Glenbard East and went to East Aurora. Well, they're both in the same conference. So we had to play Glenbard East, and I had just left them. And so it wasn't like a revenge game. It was just an emotional game. Like, I have to coach against the team I just left. Uh, we were losing 21 nothing in the second quarter, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And we're a spread team, but we'll spread you out to pass it, but we'll also run the ball at you. Power Reed was our bread and butter. Okay. I always tell people the reason why I will always run some type of spread offense because I feel like I can stay in the game because we were down 21 nothing. We got the ball. We passed in four passing plays and scored. Now it's 21-7. We get an interception. We're a spread team. We marched down the field again and scored a couple plays. We ran inside zone a couple times, power read, then we just ran a – we called it H-pop. Our H-back slipped out. It's a touchdown. Uh-huh. So now it's 21-14. We stop them from scoring. We get some momentum. We come back down, and now it's 21-21 with three minutes left in the second quarter. And I said, those are the reasons to me why I always be a spread guy because I feel like if I was an under center wing T and we're down 21 nothing, how do I come back into the game? Now, I know there's people out there that are going to tell me how to do it, which is fine, but, but I, I'm wrong. I'll be wrong if I sit there and say you can't do it. But <laughs> everybody has a reason. I, I don't uh, no, I, 
I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, again, like you said, I played in a wing T offense. Um, you know, I've been in a power based gap scheme offense, three yards in a cloud of dust. And when you are dominating, it's a terrible offense to play against because you just chew up the clock and you just, you know, you, you basically you suffocate. It's like a, a boa constrictor, right? You get wrapped around your prey and you just suffocate it because you own the time of possession. You know, uh, you're not making mistakes. You're not uh, slow. There's no incomplete passes, so the clock doesn't stop. You're getting four yards, you're getting first downs. I think Army came out the other night and they had a 19-play drive that took 12 minutes off the clock, and that's awesome right. to watch. But I think you, you just hit the nail on the head at the same time. You know, when you play a team that's more athletic than you and all of a sudden you're down two or three scores, you know, it can become problematic in trying to, you know, mount that comeback. You know, you got to dig deep into your, your book of trick plays. I mean, even as much as I love Navy football, when they get behind, sometimes they struggle. Now, fortunately, they are – I think their character is such and that they're smart enough coaches. They have things in their playbook to account for that. You know, they beat Kansas State last year on a – um, halfback pass, but that's what they needed to do because they couldn't move the ball any other way. So I think you have a fair point being made there is that, you know, it's tough when you play in those under center offenses or those, what I call uh, ground and pound offenses that when you get down a few scores, it can become difficult to mount that comeback. But at the same time, when you're dominating that line of scrimmage and you're just running the ball down people's throats, it is a beautiful and fun thing to be a part of. So you know, it kind of goes both ways, but I tend to agree with you. I, I would rather have, you know, that ability to score quickly sometimes versus, you know, be dependent on just being more physical and more dominating than the other team. Right, yeah, you know what? We had a team in our conference this year. Was our, we were playing them our second or third game. They run the wing tee. They did the same thing. They had like a 12 – they had a 13-minute drive or 12-minute drive, and – it's beautiful watching mm-hmm. being an old line guy. Like I'd love it. But then I think back to the bigger picture mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'd rather be a spread team and give myself the opportunity to say, you know what? I have some linemen this year. I've got a running back this year. We're going to run the ball a little more maybe than we did last year. Um, but being put in that situation where you practice the pass, but you're going to run the ball more, but you have those passing plays to where you, you stay in the game is why I always go to, like I always say, I would love to just run, Gus's playbook from Auburn. If I could run that offense, oh, I'd yeah. be a happy guy. You can pass it if you need to. Get those RPOs. That's why you're saying. That's why I think you're seeing pistol wing keys come up because they're getting RPOs involved. They've come to realize that you can run your buck sweep, but have a guy run a route off the backside or something—that's dangerous. Like, right. So that I'm getting off topic. I could talk about that all day. Because uh, <laughs> okay. I get the guys on the other podcast—they just you know, or pushing my buttons, which is all fine. Uh, but there's guys out there. If I put up, that's why I don't say anything. If I put something out there about air raid or whatever, they are going to crucify me and say I'm soft. You know, how mummy ain't soft and Mike Leach ain't soft. Uh, oh, and that's, and that's the thing, you know, that I would say, you know, kind of irritates me a little bit as a coach. Like the minute you say, the minute you try and demean something else, you're taking a tool out of your toolbox to be successful. Yeah, like you, like you just talked about, you know, that, that pistol wing T look. You know what I mean? Like if all those wing T guys said there's no way we're not going to be under center, they're missing the boat on a lot of things, you know, and it doesn't mean that you get away from your, your, what you do best. But I think the minute you decide that, oh, that's just nonsense, 
you're really hurting yourself and you're hurting your players because you never know what you might learn. You know what I mean? You never know the new idea, the new principle, uh, the new offensive tool you might put in your toolbox that helps you win an extra game the next year. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in, in coaches growing coaches. And that's, sometimes I get really uh, irritated by that stuff because I'm like, why, why do we care? Why are we busy demeaning each other when I can just say, hey, that's, I'm glad that works for you. What can I learn? You know, be a sponge, not a wall. But, you know, it's, it's coaching is just like anything else. It's a combination of different personalities. And, you know, some guys are uh, better at adapting and dealing with things than others. And, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I just don't understand why guys would do that because I think you're missing an opportunity to make yourself better, make yourself a better coach, and thus making your team better. Yeah, well, we may have to do two or three episodes of this podcast just talking about stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> so the last thing, guys, because I'm taking his time and I get off topic, uh, the last thing I'll say is I always um, said if I become an offensive coordinator again, which that's the goal, but right now I'm happy being an offensive line guy and a run game guy. If I'm a run game guy and the head coach and offensive coordinator say, hey, let's look at GT counter. I'm going to go straight to a wing T under center guy and say, okay, how do you block this? And I'm going to learn how to do it. Now on the flip side, absolutely, you would think that that coach would say, you know what? We've got a quarterback this year that can just sling the ball. we got a couple fast guys. Why not go to a, a spread guy or maybe an air raid guy and say, can you teach me the progression on your quick games or mm-hmm. your passing plays? And you might install them just because you have that kid this year. And then now you have that in your back pocket where – that kid graduates, maybe two years later, you get another kid like that. Now you're like, oh, yeah, you know, back in 2020, we did this. Now I have this in my back pocket. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think, you know, as a play caller, as a head coach, even as an, you know, as a position coach, I think you always want to add to your toolbox because I think for that very reason, you never know when you're going to need it, right? Like anybody who owns a home and has to do home maintenance or does their own cart maintenance, you know you have that tool that sits in your toolbox that you never use except for the one time a year or the one time every five years you need to use it. And inevitably, when you don't have it, it's a giant pain because you got to run out to the store. You got to take more time out of your day. You got to get this. You got to get that. Whereas when you have it, you go, oh, let me go rummage around in the shed real quick. And all of you go, oh, here it is. You know, it's kind of the same thing with, with coaching. Like just because I don't use it all the time, doesn't mean I want to exclude it because like you just said, you never know when I'm going to need it. You know what I mean? You never know when your players are going to be good at something completely different. And, you know, we can get into the argument of systems versus, you know, players and all that stuff. You know, we could talk about it all day, but at the end of the day, I think as coaches, we should be saying, like you talked about in the offense thing, what makes our players the best. And the minute we eliminate something from our toolbox, I think we eliminate something we first make them better. And, you know, it, it, go, it goes back to the thing. When the players win, or when the team wins, the players did a good job. When the team loses, the coaches did a terrible job. So if I want to avoid getting blamed for doing a terrible job, I better put as much of my toolbox to help my players be successful as possible. Right. I mean, we have to get back on here and talk about that stuff. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Uh, you know, extreme ownership sticks out to me. Oh, strategy dude. and Extreme ownership is one of my favorite books. Well... All right, I keep getting off topic. So, <laughs> That's okay. before before we started the podcast, I was talking to Coach about where I used to coach. I was complaining a little bit, you know. We were I was venting a little bit, but it's okay. One of the things I actually liked was um, we were talking about how we were going to elect our football captain, 
And I gave the head coach an idea. When I was in high school, the head coach let the players vote. So what we did was we had two-a-days, and in between the practices one day, they would say, okay, each player is going to come in individually in the office, and you're going to vote for a captain. But it was like an interview. Like if mm-hmm. I walked up and said, hey, I want Coach Mills to be the captain, the, the coach would look at you and say, well, how would you come to that decision? And you know how teenagers are like, well, they're here every day. And they'd say, well, is being here every day showing them that they're a captain? Well, mm-hmm. they're vocal. Do you have to be vocal to be a leader? Do you have to do that? So it was just those type of questions. And when you're 16, 17, 18, you really start to think. So the seniors had it down pat. You know, they're like, okay, I understand. And so we did that. I implemented that at the school. I was office coordinator. They loved it. I said, you know, you can really get those kids to think, like, do I really want to follow this guy? Is this a guy I would go into battle with? They got them to think. And right, wrong, or different. I just loved it, me personally. So that's what we did. And then the, we had four captains. The head coach went into the budget, bought that book, and said, I want each of you to take this home and read it and come mm-hmm. back to me and talk to me. And then he gave all of us coaches one. It's on my bookshelf. I, I was going to reread it, and then I haven't yet. But I love the book. The kids, the captains read it. They, they opened their eyes. They were like, oh, my goodness, I never thought this way. Uh, we'll have to get your podcast or my podcast. We'll get on there and talk about it. We'll get on there Absolutely. And- well, that's. And that's exactly, yeah. Um, you know, plug my podcast real quick. That's what my podcast is all about. It's about the, you know, I don't talk X's and O's. Like I said, I'm a marginal X's and O's guy. Um, but it's talking about the, those program building traits, those character building traits, uh, leadership. I mean, it's called anchored, anchored down leadership. Like that's literally what we do, um, you know. And so, I, yeah, I would love to talk about that stuff. I, I'm a big, big fan of uh, developing, developing people and then making them good players. I think it's easy to take, say, hey, we got good players and kind of look the other way because they're winning. But I firmly believe if we make good get great players, I, you know, it doesn't necessarily work the other way around. So, yeah, no, I'm a I'm a big – I love that idea of bringing guys in and interviewing them, um, you know, and that's something we're doing this year. We're creating – if you want to be a captain, you have to apply to be a captain. You will face a panel interview of all the coaching staff, and then we will narrow it down and say, hey – Here's the top whatever we think should be captains, and then we'll turn it over to the players. Um, I hadn't considered bringing them in one by one and ask them. I like that idea. Uh, force them to think about their decision. Um, you know, and then outside of our captains, per se, we also looking at creating something like a leadership council or, you know, because sometimes, you know, with teenagers being teenagers, especially as a freshman, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I look at a senior captain, I may not be comfortable talking to him, but if I can go to another freshman who's on the leadership council, you know, make up the leadership council of everything from 
seniors to freshmen, just have six to eight of them. I might be willing to go talk to him. They can talk as a council, go to the captains. You know, it just creates another level of accountability, another uh, level of growth because, you know, we might have a kid who's a freshman who obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, probably won't ever have a freshman captain, but we want to teach him how to be a leader at the same time. We want to develop his skills the senior to make him a captain. Let's find a program we can use, get him in leadership roles ASAP. So when he is a captain, he has more skills and is better prepared than if he just hung out for three years. Right. Um, I like that interviewing part. One coach I know did that. And then the coaches picked, but I'm going to tell you my story about why I always do this. I was, I graduated high school. I was coaching at my high school for that summer. So I was sitting in the office with the coaches. I was 18 years old watching these guys I just played with coming in. And I'll never forget this. The kid came in, said, I vote so-and-so and so-and-so for a captain. You ask him all the questions and, and whatever. He left. We go through about five other kids. But that same kid all of a sudden abrupts back into the office, and half of his hair has been shaved off. And we're sitting there going, what just happened out there in the locker room? He said, I don't want so-and-so to be a captain anymore. And we said, why? Because he's walking around with, Clipper shaving people's heads off. I will not follow that guy into yeah. a football game. And that sticks with me because I said, he thought that kid should be a captain just because he showed up all summer to the weight room. It's more right. than just showing up to the weight room. It's, and you don't have to be a raw, raw person. It could be, I'm going to go out there and give 110% and give my blood, sweat, and tears, and you'll follow that guy. Uh, so that's why I told that head coach. And that's kind of what we went with after that story. They were like, oh, that makes sense. And so if I become a head coach or whatever, that's what I'm going to go with because those kids are smarter than we think. They see more than what we see. And if you put them on the spot, they're going to start to think, oh, you're right. Like just because he shows up to the weight room or he just shows up to practice doesn't mean he's going to be a captain or a leader. Right. It doesn't make him anything special. He's just – he's good at showing up, which granted is, is half the battle, but that doesn't mean anything. We all show up on game night. You know what I mean? With our uniforms on. But who's actually going to go out there and make the plays? Um, so we hit it a little bit. One of my last things on here was, guys out there, Coach has a podcast. And I felt bad. He, he told us on the other podcast. <laughs> and it didn't dawn on me until like two days ago. I was like, oh, my gosh. I meant to go listen to his, and I didn't. So I went on. I was at the gym. I put it on. And it's a good podcast. I really had to listen to it. Uh, so if you want to talk about your podcast, like how did you come up with – a podcast about leadership and not necessarily leadership about, I know it's more towards athletics, but it seems like it could be used for anything outside of football and basketball and track. It might mm-hmm. be in a business. Like how'd you come up with something like that? Like I had a hard time coming up with this for sports, but I'm doing a whole <laughs> one on leadership. So, um, you know, I, it goes back to, like I said, how I grew up, I grew up immersed in military culture and I'm not talking so much like the, the drill sergeant military culture, but I, you know, growing up around some, some very fantastic leaders and being taught things from a, a young age and just being exposed to that. Um, I'm also a social studies teacher. I have a history degree, um, you know, looking at history and, and kind of the people that have come through history and the things they've done, um, the things they haven't done, the things they did well, the things they didn't do well. And, you know, one day and it's, you know, I've always habit of studying leadership because I think it's one of the things that separates the good from the great. Um, I think there's a lot of good out there, uh, but I don't think there's a lot of great out there. So if we want to be great, what's, how can we get ahead? 
how can we make our teams great? And I do think it's through leadership. Um, I knew I wanted to be a head coach one day. So I said, what can, what can help separate me from other candidates? What makes me a better person to be a head coach than anyone else? Um, and it was thinking about leadership, but you know, that all kind of transpired into, uh, you know, sitting around during COVID I'm looking around and some of the things, and you know, I've always thought this, but kind of became more apparent to me was there is a startling lack of leadership in our modern society. I don't mean that in a, in a negative way necessarily, because I have found it's not that people don't want to be leaders. It's that they never get taught how to be leaders. Um, or they go listen to a motivational speaker who gets them all fired up, but doesn't actually give them any actionable skills or abilities or philosophies. And I said, you know, what, what can I do to maybe help change that? What can I do? What do I know? Or what have I learned that I can share with the world? And, you know, I may be completely wrong with the things I say, and you know, I'm always learning as well, but, you know, so I created, it's actually, a, it's a company, it's Anchored Down Leadership LLC. Um, the idea is to work with, you know, coaches, coaching program, um, you know, coaching staffs, players, but, you know, it's more than just athletics. Like you said, I want to work with education. I want to work with businesses and, you know, not under the idea that I'm some guru because I'm not, I don't know my butt from a hole in the ground most days, but just simply like if I can expose people to new ideas, if I can say, here, what about this idea? What about that? You know, and if we can develop and put systems in place that develop better leaders, it's not only going to make our organizations better, our programs, our teams, our businesses, uh, our schools, but it's going to make our society better because a good leader has perspective and can work with anybody from any background. And, you know, that's part of what the genesis of this whole idea was. And uh, then I was fortunate to able to get hooked up with Coach Alba over there at Chief Pigskin, um, where we're putting out a weekly video on his YouTube channel. So that's kind of forcing me to say some of the things that I've learned and put them into coherent thoughts, at least for the most part. Yeah, admittedly, some of the stuff I talk about is kind of complex, can be a little heavy. My wife today was like, you know, with your podcast, sometimes I got to take some time afterwards and think about it. So it's not a simple listen, and I'm trying to figure out a way to make it a little bit more digestible. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of some thoughts I have, some things I've learned, and, you know, hopefully can help some people as they develop, as they grow. Um, you know, because I firmly believe the minute you stop growing, you start dying. It's like a plant, right? If a plant's not growing, it's probably dead. And I kind of view people the same way. Like we need to grow people. We should be growing leaders. Coaches should be growing other coaches. Um, you know, educators should be growing other educators. Leaders should be growing other leaders. And that's kind of how I view what I do as. And, you know, hopefully what I'm saying is, is resonating with some people or even if it helps one person at the end of the day, then I firmly believe it's worth my time um, just because that's how I view things. But, yeah, that's kind of how this whole thing got started, and it's just a, a combination of the things I've learned over time, the books I've read, such as Extreme Ownership. Ownership is one of our uh, five anchors of leadership at Anchored, Leader, Anchored Down Leadership. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's just really that, and that's kind of how it all got started was looking around and saying, hey, what, what do I feel is lacking in modern society? And I firmly do believe it's. It's leadership and leadership education. Yeah, I, I felt bad because you said that. I remember writing it down like I have to listen to this. And it was like the other day I said it dawned on me. I was like, I got to go back and find it and listen to it. Um, no, it's good stuff. And it does. I was in the gym of all places. I'm listening to it. And I was like, I have to take a step back and, mm -hmm. and think about this. Um, and I was trying to 
think back like who has actually shown me leadership stuff not talk bad about anybody but you start to go back and think mm-hmm. like a part of a head coach's job and i keep going to athletics but a head coach's job um one guy i coached for him and i'll say his name coach hogan if he ever listens to this you know shout out to him he told me one of his jobs was to get me where i want to go he goes where do you want to go and i said i want to be an offense coordinator a head coach he goes part of my job is to get you there and so when he said, you're going to go be, I had to coach linebackers at the time. He goes, you need to go be the head coach of that position. I'm here to help you, but you have to be the head coach of that position. And nobody ever said that to me before. Because when we're position coaches, we're like, oh, we report to the offensive coordinator, the head coach. He's like, that is yours. You're the head coach. That is yours. So right. I, I don't know if that relates to what you're saying, but way back when, when you're, when you're 20 years old, you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, you're right. So every time I become a position I talk to him and he goes, just be the head coach of that position, whatever it is. Sure. Uh, and I'm a teaching mm-hmm. assistant. He goes, be the head, like we always go to athletics. He goes, be the head coach, be the best TA there is. Go be the best there is. Go above and beyond. And so it's, your podcast is going to be way better. Mine's just sports. Yours is going to be about life. Like this is going to be way more <laughs> than what this one is. Yeah. But I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love the, the sports ones are great too. You know, they're, they're, uh, you know, they, they do, especially with COVID and having lack of sports, I think it's been great. People have the ability to still talk sports. So it's been really refreshing to talk to you, talk to Coach Sheffer on his podcast. That was a good time. You know, a couple other ones. So I really appreciate the sports ones, man, because, you know, like you said, we keep going back to sports. But truth be told, that's what most of us know. And I'm not just talking about coaches, but as people, that's what most of us know. You know, most of us at some point have been part of athletics or if not athletics, something else equally competitive, right? And you are part of a team, you're part of an organization. So, you know, there's so many life lessons to be taught through athletics. Um, and that's kind of, you know, goes back to kind of my whole approach as a football coach is I love football, but what I really love doing is using football to teach other things um, because the vast majority of them are, you know, will probably not play college football, you know, percentage wise, hardly any of them will ever play big college football or play pro football. You know, so what can I do to prepare them for their professional lives afterwards? And it's, you know, all those things we talk about and it's taught through athletics. So while the sports ones might seem like they're not as big, there's, there's so much good stuff there. And, you know, X's and O's do matter because it teaches guys to use things that make you successful. And kind of like what we talked about a little while ago, like, you know, build your toolbox. That's not just a skill for football coaches. That's a skill for anybody in any career field. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I love the sports ones. I think they're great. All right. Well, we've been on here for a while, so I'll start to wrap this up. Um, yeah. Who's going to win tonight? Is it going to be Navy or is it going to be, <laughs> you know, I missed, I missed some games yesterday. Um, I'm one of those guys that cut the cord on cable. So some of this stuff's hard to find. So I finally mm-hmm. had a, I'll admit it. I had to borrow my mom's login for their cable, um, and watch some football. So I'm going to try to watch BYU versus Navy. I know you're rooting for Navy. So who's going to win? I think it's going to be a good game. I think people underestimate Navy and they under, underestimate BYU. BYU goes under the radar sometimes with their offense. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know literally nothing about BYU this year. I do know about BYU in the past. I know they're always a tough team. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's really cool because we're having the, the Polynesian Bowl tonight where we have two head coaches uh, who are both uh, Polynesian descent. And one of the coaches on the uh, BYU staff 
was actually the childhood best friend of Ken Niamatololo, the Navy head coach. So there's going to be a lot of storylines there that are really cool to watch. But, um, you know, obviously I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say Navy wins. I just all the reasons we talked about on uh, the armchair uh, coaching podcast, um, you know, I think their, their culture is one and their ability, but they are breaking in a new starting quarterback. Um, so I think it will be a relatively low scoring game because Navy's got a really good defense coming back and they're breaking in a new, uh, like I said, new starting quarterback. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think Navy wins in a somewhat low scoring affair. Uh, but you know, if BYU were come out and win it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Either way, I'm, I'm looking for a good non-traditional college football game tonight. That's what we were seeing so far this week. Uh, who was it who ran that pistol wing tee the other night? Uh, uh, was it uh, Austin P? Yeah, whatever? whoever that was. Like, we're seeing all this stuff. And so I've seen people yeah. complain about it. Like, are we really having college football this year to watch that? And I'm like, just enjoy that there's sports on TV. <laughs> right. And, and, and then, like, they're talking about this offense. I was like, I don't care. It's football. Like, And, and again, I like seeing that stuff. Right. It's, it's interesting. Well, the first, the first play was a 75-yard touchdown run. I mean, how can you be mad about that? Like, you know, that – that's always the knock on some offenses. Uh, nothing ever happens. But literally the first play from scrimmage, they took it to the house from 70-plus yards out. Like, that's big play football. That's what puts butts in the seats. You can't be mad about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for the next weekend for SEC and all that. I don't know what they're, you know. Yeah, we'll see. And my fear is I don't want them to start playing, and then all of a sudden they have to pause. That's going to be my big, my big fear. I don't mm-hmm. think it will. They're going to make their money. I know the Big Ten is might beat again and talk about playing. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't have my U of I playing right now, so that's a good <laughs> thing. I have to watch yeah, that. Maybe that. Um, all right. Well, I always save the end here for whoever I'm talking to. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to say at the very end here, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you letting me come on today. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun just talking talking ball in the general sense, but also talking about some of the bigger ideas. Um, you know, again, I'll plug my podcast, the uh, Anchor Down Leadership Podcast. Um, you know, plug my company, Anchor Down Leadership LLC, where, like I said, we work with coaches, we work with coaching staffs, businesses, school districts, whatever it might be, to create new leadership systems. Um, you know, work with you on a one-on-one, work on improving decision-making, all those things that come with leadership, um, you know, so that's kind of my stuff for what it is, but no, it's, it's really been fun. I hope everybody has a, uh, joyful rest of their labor day. And I know as we're getting back to school, I got to start back to school tomorrow. Good luck to everybody with, with their school years and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on today. No, I appreciate any coach that comes on to talk to me about, you know, I'm a low, low podcast. This is at the very bottom, but I think I help people. I'm like their therapist for an hour. I don't charge a hundred bucks an hour or 500. Maybe I should, but I haven't charged. I haven't started charging yet. Um, No, any educator out there, I'm a teaching assistant. We started last Thursday and it was rough. I'm not going to lie. Everybody's getting, we're all remote right now. So everybody logs on at one time. It's rough. Uh, But then Friday was a lot better. So I think everybody will get in the flow of things. Um, Good luck to all the educators out there that are going to start. Hopefully we get back in the building if they're remote. I, I see us go back to the building at some point. We have to. Those kids need that. Um, but, Coach, sure. I appreciate you coming on and taking, you know, a lot of your time. Uh, everybody out there, stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask so we can get back to some 
normal life. Uh, and guys, I'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.